0: Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny.
1: Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. What I do here is I bring in guests that'll hopefully inform you, inspire you and empower you to kind of look beyond the fence in your backyard at what's going on out there. I know everybody's biz- busy. Everybody's got their business to do. Everybody's got Things to take care of, whether it's just for themselves or their family, whatever. And we've got a lot of chaos, a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. So it's important that we hear new perspectives and keep ourselves open for new information that'll help you think and feel and hopefully act. So today on Guys Guys Radio, we've got a wine expert. We've got a new musical talent. I think it's going to be a really interesting show. If you like red wine like me, there's none better than the Bonnie Vineyard Silver Oak Wine Cabernet Sauvignons from Napa Valley. Wonderful, wonderful wines. And we have the pleasure of hosting Bonnie Meyer, longtime proprietor of the Silver Oak Winery and makers of these fine, fine Cabernets, and particularly those from the Bonnie Vineyard. I've tried them and they're absolutely heaven in a glass. So we're going to talk to Bonnie today about winemaking, her journey with her late husband, Justin Meyer, a legend in the Napa winemaking community. And I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion. And hopefully we'll learn a lot about wine there from Bonnie. We've also got a new musical talent who I think is going to be big. His name is Eli Sokolow. He's got a band called The Living Strange. He's a Southern California guy who moved to East Williamsburg, I believe. He's in Brooklyn. I went the other way. I went from Harlem to San Diego. He's gone from Southern California to East Williamsburg. So... We'll have uh, some notes to swap on that. But also, he's doing some new music. He's got a band called The Living Strange. I really like what he's doing. I like his perspective. I like the videos. I like the music. And I think it's really important, no matter what generation you're from, I'm a boomer, but if you're a GX or a millennial, whatever, just be open to the older music, and also the newer music, and you really get a, a reflection of what's going on in a culture when you listen to music. Uh, you get kind of a vibe for where the young people's heads are at. And I think it's uh, you know it's important that, particularly for boomers like myself, that we we keep an open mind. We don't just say, "Hey, you know, Beatles, Stones, who Led Zeppelin? The heck with everything else." No, you got it. You got to keep open over the years. There's always going to be some new music that turns you on. I really like what uh, Eli's doing and the band Living Strange. So, we've got a great show for you today on Guys Guys Radio. Let's see what else is going on out there real quick before we get into the our interviews and that is uh of course we're still on our own with this COVID thing because nobody has a really good grasp on it and everybody's doing the best they can. I would say just two things to consider from your Guys Guy here and one is do whatever you can to eat a proper diet, take care of yourself, get rest, don't consume too much media, don't live in fear, don't think about COVID all the time. If, if it hasn't touched you, keep it away. If Obviously, if you have friends or family that have been affected, you want to make sure that they get the proper care. But for yourself, if you have not been exposed, eat a proper diet, build up your immune system, and just follow... Follow the rules, if you will, quote unquote, that would be respectful of yourself and others. And you'll be able to make your decisions about washing your hands and masks and all of that stuff uh, as necessary. I'm not going to preach as to what to do, but you want to respect yourself and take care of yourself. You also want to respect others. So Guys Guys Radio, got a great show for you. Looking forward to getting into our interviews right now.
0: It's Guy's Guy Radio.
1: Okay, I mentioned that we're going to talk about wine today, but not just wine. One of the best wines in the world, Uh, probably one of the best, if not the top wine in California, but also one of the best wines in the world, Silver Oak Cellars. And we have with us a special guest, Bonnie Meyer. She's the principal of Meyer Family Enterprises and Investment Company, dedicated to the regeneration of the planet and society, which is wonderful. And after selling Silver Oak Cellars in 2001, Bonnie is now a partner in the Meyer Family Cellars. It's a winery run by her son, Matt, and her daughter-in-law, Karen. She's the author of the memoir, Perfectly Paired, The Love Affair Behind the Silver Oak Cellars. It's a wonderful story. Bonnie was kind enough to send me a couple of bottles of the incredible bonnie vineyards cabernet sauvignon i had the 2015 this past weekend and i can say it was the best cab i've ever had it was wonderful and it just kept getting better with each sip of it and i don't i don't make stuff up that's really how good it was so thank you for being on guys guys radio bonnie myers and thanks for the wine
2: you're welcome. You're welcome. Good to be here with you today. So
1: Bonnie's story is a wonderful story. Um, it's a love story, and it's also about wine. So I think we can talk about both things here on Guys Guys Radio with the with the time we have. So let's start in with you and your husband had a very interesting um, coming together, if you will. It was similar to my my grandfather was a movie maker. He came from Italy to to New York and then to California, and he. He then went back and he got my grandmother who was a nun and he convinced her to come over here with him and they got married and the Manny family propagated in America. And similar to that, Bonnie, you and your husband were both kind of involved with religion, if you will. Uh, Justin, your husband was uh, uh, working as, a, I guess, a monk and you were possibly on your way to becoming a a nun. So what happened?
2: (laughs) So uh, Justin, brother Justin at the time was at uc davis uh, studying to get his master's degree in winemaking and viticulture i showed up as a freshman we met each other at professor's house and uh, we actually spent that evening playing music together and we were immediate friends later on he started playing music with me at church this is pretty classic don't you think (laughs) <laughs> a, absolutely. A, monk, <laughs> a monk and a girl playing music and um and after a few months we realized we were in love with each other but uh, knew that, that 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 we couldn't be a couple and so that relationship that friendship lasted for about five years until he decided to uh leave the monastery and leave christian brothers
1: Let's talk yeah. about a little bit about so that area where you were. He was working at Christian Brothers, and my, when I was in advertising, I used actually, uh, as I had mentioned to you, Bonnie, before the show, I did some work actually with Hubline and Christian Brothers was one of the brand with their brandy. We did some print ads for them. But before that, Christian Brothers was a very well regarded winery, and then when they got sold off, as often happens, the corporate companies come in, and they're not, they're really not wine people. So tell us a little bit about what happened and with Christian Brothers and how that kind of uh, spurred Justin to move towards making his own wines.
2: Mm. In the 50s and 60s, Christian Brothers was one of the largest wineries in the country. And they were making uh, still wines, dessert wines, and brandy. Um, They were making about 40 different products when Brother Justin was there. And he was being groomed to be the president of Christian Brothers Winery. The, The brothers who, primarily involved in education, uh, used the money from their winery to fund the schools. And um, they were making about 40 different varieties, and, and Justin felt a little uncomfortable about that. Uh, he knew that he they couldn't all be their best. And his reaction to that, when he ultimately decided to uh, leave the brothers, was that he just wanted to focus on one wine so you know how in life sometimes people say okay mm-hmm. i'm gonna do something very different and so he decided that what napa valley and alexander valley in sonoma county did best was cabernet sauvignon and so when we started christian Bre- uh, christian brothers we started silver oak the same week we were married Uh, We just were going to dedicate dedicated that winery to making uh, the best Cabernet um, that we possibly could. And it became one of the best in the in the in the world, actually.
1: So what is it about that area of the, I mean, when you're a success in the wine business as in anything else, you know, you have to be at the right place at the right time. And then when you are at the right place at the right time, you have to make the right decisions at the right time. And I think you guys hit every note and it was just a wonderful story because as I read it, like they bought this area, came for up for sale, and then they bought this area, came up for sale and just pulled together this wonderful, wonderful uh, Silver Oaks winery. So what, what is it about Cabernet? that is indigenous, if you will, to the Napa area? Why Cabernet's there?
2: You know, every viticultural area is a combination of uh, different soils and microclimates, if you will. Mm -hmm. And what a viticulturist will do is really study those things and think about them and then also feel their way into it and decide what is the best variety uh, what is really going to be at its peak in this particular area. And Napa Valley in general, Oakville in particular, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is the answer to that question. And it's very similar by the way, different in certain ways too, but similar to Bordeaux. Uh, we know that in, in uh, Europe um, that, that you actually can only grow certain varieties in certain areas. And so they, they evolved to that. Uh, we haven't evolved to that, that sort of system yet, but we have evolved in the Napa Valley. It, before, everybody was growing everything, uh, everywhere. And we, over time, have evolved to, the, to picking certain varieties and rootstocks and things to grow in certain areas.
1: What is the secret sauce, as much as you can talk about it, um, for silver oak? Um, that why was their why were their cabs so special?
2: <laughs> One of the things that Justin decided was that in general California wineries sell their their wines too early. That they especially something like Cabernet mm-hmm. that really benefits from bottle age, extended bottle age. Uh, we decided that we weren't going to release our our wines, our Silver Oak wines, until they were five years old—about two years in the barrel and, and three years in the bottle—and mm. so by the time you open that wine, you have uh, you've tasted a sort of mirroring of the flavors that doesn't happen any other way.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you open a bottle of, uh, let's say it's a six-year-old bottle of Cabernet, it's been in the barrel, it's been laying down, what's the best way, you know, how do you drink it? Do you need to decant it? Should you just open the bottle, pour a couple of glasses, let it sit there, swirl it around a little bit? What's the what's the recommended way of uh, enjoying the product to get the most out of it?
2: Good question. Um, okay, so pretend that you have... Um, I don't know, even a piece of clothing, and it's, and it's in a trunk for six years. And you open that trunk, and it just might taste and smell a little bit funky. And same thing with a wine. If it's been closed up for five, six years, it's going to possibly smell a little bit funky. So yes, a little bit of aeration is helpful. But you don't have to have anything fancy. Just pour it in the glass swirl the glass a bit like you see winemakers mm-hmm. do and that will aerate the wine in in a way that that will actually help it um I don't know just bring out the the best in it it'll help those aromas and things to come out of out of the glass as you noticed when you tasted our uh, yep. Bonnie's beer the other day
1: yeah I opened it and uh, poured it and swirled it around a little bit it had the first taste and it was I could tell that it was packed that there was a lot in there that I wasn't getting yet. So I let it sit a little while. And then as my wife and I drank it, uh, it just kept opening up and opening up and opening up. And it was complex in a simple way where everything was just married together wonderfully. I don't have a lot of wine terms. I'm just guy's guy drinking wine. And I gotta tell you, it was just heaven in a glass. Fantastic! So congratulations to you and Justin. Let's get back to the love story a little bit. My special guest is Bonnie Meyer. She is the uh, former owner of the uh, Silver Oak Cellars and now the principal of Meyer Family Enterprise. She's got a book here called Perfectly Paired. It's a memoir. It's a, it's a love story between her and her husband and it's also the story behind Silver Oak Cellars. So you and Justin uh, started Silver Oak Winery. W- what happened? Give us the kind of condensed story of how it all came together, how it all blew up in such a wonderful way, and then to me, the heartbreak was, I don't wanna give it away, but the heartbreak was after you finally, you sold, I was wondering why you sold the company, and when you sold it, you know there was a great uh, relief because there's so much work in it, and then a lot of things happened. So give us a kind of a snapshot of that because we're on radio and uh, I wanna get your story in there, but I don't wanna press you for time. (laughs)
2: Uh, We basically, grew, ran and grew Silver Oak for about 30 years. And we had a wonderful time together. And I do believe, and I I touch on this in the book, that it was our love affair that somehow made its way into the wine and made its way into this business. And also our our values. It was truly a values-based business. And all of those things together led to success beyond our wildest dreams.
1: So when when was the tipping point where you realized, hey, uh, we're going to sell this winery and we want to do other things? What was kind of the thinking there after the 30 years?
2: After, after that, our uh, we had a financial partner for all that time who was very supportive. And his sons were older than our kids and they were wanting to take take it on. And uh, we asked our kids, and they were still in high school and in college. And, and uh, we made a family decision uh, to sell it to the Duncans, who have been running it now for almost 20 years and doing a great job.
1: And how did you, uh, what, what spurred you to decide to get back in the business with your, uh, your current company?
2: Well, we started uh, Meyer Sellers actually uh, by making some pork. Um, before we had sold Silver Oak. And we just didn't know how to not be in the wine business. And so we decided we wanted to be in the wine business as a, as the Meyer family. So we, we started that then.
1: If somebody wants to get into the wine business, what are like three guidelines that they have to know or otherwise, they're going to fall on their face because there's so many people think like, oh, I want to get some land in Napa or I'm in New Jersey and I want to make some wines. And, you know, wine is tricky business because there's not a lot of margin there. There's not a, there's a great amount of proliferation of brands and uh, the consumer doesn't know that much and they don't know within brands, uh, within the categories, um, how to differentiate. <laughs>
2: articulated it very well. I have seen many people come to the wine country and want to start their own winery because they love wine. Mm -hmm. And I would say the first thing is that's the wrong reason (laughs) to be in (laughs) in the wine business. (laughs) If you love wine, just enjoy it. Uh, (laughs) um, The wine business is a business. And so some people actually get into the wine business in their retirement. You know, they've made a lot of money doing something Mm -hmm. else. They love wine. They start a winery. And then they realize it's almost a surprise. Oh, this is a business that I need to run. And and then the third thing that people often do that that, uh, you just touched on is that they think that just because it's a great wine, it's going to sell itself. And, And it doesn't you have to be out there and and let people know about what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And then if you're too, you know, it's a, it's a fine line you walk when in wine marketing, because you won't, you know, if you get into that mass class, you're in a certain category where there's brand name recognition, but sometimes that's not a good thing because the real, the real aficionados, they want to be able to have like, I can get this. And you can't right this, this yeah. part of that at the high ends with the cabs like you had a, a great story in a book where this guy from Texas came in and he had he saw all of your private stock and he's like I want to buy everything tell us that story
2: <laughs> he came in he, he we had a wine library which means that we had many different vintages that we had saved into this in this one room and he saw it and he wanted to buy everything and mm-hmm. um the tasting room person came upstairs and told us, and Jess and I had a short conversation. And we decided that we didn't, just because somebody had a lot of money, that they didn't get to actually own all the good stuff. And so it was after that what, that we came up with a plan to allocate our wine so that anybody could have the same access to at least one bottle of something special.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, when I was reading the book, and again, our special guest is Bonnie Meyer. The book is perfectly paired—the love affair between behind Silver Oak's cellars. And one of the things that I was taken by is was uh, the the story is a real—it's a real love affair. And I felt a reverence for Justin, never having met him, but just when I looked at his pictures, his photos, and read about how he cared about the product and the process, and about you, Bonnie, could just tell for our audience. I think it's worth let's spend a little time just tell us about him and what made him such a special guy, a special human being, and, and such a special winemaker?
2: Well, a f- couple of words come to mind. One is passion. Another is integrity. And another is a sense of humor. He was quite a character and laughed a lot. Um, and he, wow, he really lived by his values. Generosity is another word. And I think all of those came together in our business that helped uh, make it a success, and it drew people to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was like a magnet, and our winery became like a like a magnet.
1: It seemed like. Uh... He, your company was a place people wanted to work and it was that way because you guys wanted it to be that way that you made that extra effort not just about squeezing profits but about making it a place where people enjoy what they're doing and that comes through in the product and I've seen that happen a lot of times where when the people are happy the products a good product and the consumers are happy there's some type of thread of love or energy that goes through that was that done by design or was that just this is how we roll and, and, it, and it showed up in the product.
2: It was, it was both. It's just um, who, who we were. We, one day, actually early on, Jess and I looked at each other and we said, you know, we're spending most of our time at work. I think we ought to have fun because that's, this is where we're living. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and um, so from that day on, we decided that we were going to bring our, our joy and our laughter Uh, to work every day. And then the other things, the caring about people and the relationships really was just a natural um, outflow of who who we were, who we are. And um, when you bring your authentic self to work, it's magic. Mm -hmm. It's just magic. And so it wasn't a strategy. (laughs) It was more of an outcome of who Mm -hmm. we were.
1: So, part of the special sauce in your life has been not only the you know the making of the silver oak wines and now the uh, Meyer wines, but how about love? Just for you know, it is Guy's Guys radio, and we started this this the program began and was focused on relationships, and we kind of broadened it from there. But you know, I was so moved when I read your story uh, because there was so much love in it. What's the secrets for a long-term loving relationship, Bonnie? Hope you don't mind my asking.
2: I <laughs> know, I don't. Um, actually, uh, the reason I wrote the book, the reason that i that I speak so intimately about my relationship with Justin was to create kind of a treasure map, um, a map that will help the reader explore it's not a how-to book, but it but through this story, it uh, the secrets of an extraordinary relationship are revealed and um some of those again are really just values based um having a, a lightness of being mm-hmm. um a sense of humor um deep respect um okay you know, yeah
1: there was a, a couple of funny stories in the book also i mean one was that you were invited you had a connection with some folks and friends in maui and you went out there yeah. and you were at uh, one of the members, John McVie, the bass player for Fleetwood Mac, you were at his house and you guys were hanging out there and uh, and he was supposedly away on tour and then he came back. Tell us about that and the friendship you guys made with John McVie.
2: (laughs) Um, We showed up at at his house at the the invitation of the guy who was babysitting his house, caretaking his house. And when we arrived, um, Wayne was not, not there, but we managed to uh, gain access through his sister, and we're waiting for him to return. Well, it just so happens that Wayne was in Los Angeles at the Grammys, and it was the the moment in time when Fleetwood Mac won mm-hmm.
0: the best album for Rumors. Of yeah, it was, They were huge. Yeah,
2: for mm-hmm. Rumors, it was huge, and so a couple of days after we arrived, Wayne shows up and. John Murphy is with him, and we go, oh my goodness, and we started packing. <laughs> we he were going to leave. said, "You can
1: go your own way,
2: right?" <laughs> <laughs> but actually, what he d- did say, what uh, John John said was, um, "No, stay. You know, I've got <laughs> the big house. Stay." And so we were we were Fantastic. there with him and his uh, his girlfriend, and and then the rest of the band showed up to party. Uh, and celebrate their success. So it was a, it was an unexpected uh, pleasure. That's
1: fantastic, that's a great story. Mm-hmm. So, Bonnie Meyer, perfectly paired, the love affair behind Silver Oak Cellars. One last question, Bonnie, um, if you're a typical consumer and you like wine, I was talking to a family member and she was saying like, oh, I just dry reds for $10, that's all you need to know. I'm like, no, but cause you, actually you can get a deal, you can get something, You know, great here in California, you go to Ralph's, you buy six bottles, you get 30% off. So you can actually get some decent wines for around, you know, under $20, let's call it. But Mm -hmm. for your everyday wine drinker, what are a couple of three tips they need to know when picking out a wine? And Let's talk talk about red because of your experience with uh, that category.
2: I think the first, the most important thing is that if you've ever had a wine, that you really love and that you really resonate with. First, you got to try a few to get there, and you know what that is. And when you go to a wine shop, tell the tell the um, person in the wine shop what that wine is, and say, uh-huh. "I would like more uh-huh. wines like this." Uh-huh. Um, if you just go, if you just say, "Well, I just want a uh, I just want a Merlot, or I just want a Pinot Noir, or, I just want a Cabernet." that doesn't tell them anything.
1: Right, okay, that's a great tip. Any others?
2: Any others? Um,
1: I think that's worth three right there, but just one more.
2: (laughs) Be confident about what you do like. Don't let anybody else tell you what you should and should not like, but to get there, again, if you're gonna try some wines, you might, might hook into some wine writer that you and try a couple of the wines they recommend.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And those generally are good examples of that particular variety. And you can learn what to expect, Got it. what will be typical. And uh, and then after that, trust your own, your own judgment.
1: Perfect. Okay. Our guest has been Bonnie Meyer. Perfectly paired, the love affair behind Silver Oak Cellars. Bonnie, where can people find out more about your new company, Meyer Family Cellars, about you? And where can I get the book?
2: Meyer Family Meyer Family Sellers on Facebook. Uh, my book website is Bonnie Meyer, B O N N Y M E Y E R.com. You can find out more about the book there, read a, read a chapter, find out a lot just in that first chapter. A lot of big things happen. I also am on Facebook and Twitter.
1: All right. Well, you're a wonderful person, and your story is terrific. And I have so much respect for the love that you and your husband shared, the the wines that you've made. And uh, I feel like I know Justin. I re- I, I have yeah. so much reverence for him um, just by reading about him and seeing his photos. So thank you so much for sharing. It's a very intimate. Story And uh, I'm a guy, and I usually don't read stuff like this, but I I read it, and I'm like, I'm really moved. This is really somebody's opening up their heart here, and there's a lot to learn. So great job on the book. Bonnie Meyer, Thank thank you for being on Guy's Guy's Radio.
2: Thank you very much.
0: It's Guy's Guy Radio.
1: As I like to do sometimes, is uh, bring in some music acts. We've had on The Great Airport Mystery. We had on Heathcote Hill, which is an Americana band. We had recently Luxury, who is a, I guess he's like he's an adult disco artist uh, up in LA. And today we have got Eli Sokolow, and he's the front man for The Living Strange, which is a. East Williamsburg, Brooklyn-based trio. So we're doing something a little different here on Guys Guys Radio. I want to get behind new music. So Eli's here. Let me tell you a little bit about Eli and the band, and then we'll bring Eli on. So The Living Strange is a compelling rock outfit. They, got, they have an ability to somehow perfectly exist simultaneously within and out of the current rock and roll zeitgeist. The Brooklyn Trio have a knack for creating hooks that draws much inspiration from alt legends like Muse, Radiohead, as they do from Death Grips and Little Peep. And that mix may sound confounding on paper, and it does to me, of course. But in actuality, the brand's been able to strike the right balance of humor, pathos, talent, innovation to create music that is truly worthy of the objective daring. So at the front of the band is Eli Sokolo. And he works a lot of times out of his East, Williams base, uh, East Williamsburg basement. He's kind of a mad scientist as well as a composer. Um, so he uses everything from cell phone demos, samples, beats, generates the band's unique sound. He's been endorsed by some big names in the business, Matt Johnson of St. Saint Vincent, Saint, and Jeff Buckley, and even Slash. So Eli has been able to make quite a name for himself during his short time on this planet. The living strange are a bombastic force to be reckoned with, augmented by two of Brooklyn's most gifted musicians, Benya Safrir on the drums and virtuoso Nico Saltor Slater. Behind the battle station of keys, the band is able to generate an incredible wall of sound. So, let's get Eli Sokolo right here. Come on, come on Guys Guys Radio.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well. Um, congratulations on the band. I want to get a little bit of backstory for our listeners. You come from kind of a quote-unquote show business family. Your uncle's a producer. Your dad's a sc- famous uh, screenwriter. You, uh, they, they've they done, you know, came out of New- Manhattan, I believe, and then out to L.A., and your dad's back in New York, and you're in East Williamsburg. Did you grow up in uh, New York? Did you grow up in L.A.? How did you kind of, what's your journey been? I, I
0: grew up in Venice Beach, California um, until I was 16. And then my family moved to New York State um, and I lived with them for a year. And then I moved into uh, Brooklyn after that. Um, But I consider LA, um, I guess, my home, even though I haven't lived there in a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, but I do love Brooklyn a lot. And I don't know, the way that my life's gone, like, I don't feel just because of, uh, moving and, and, uh, my parents are divorced now. Um, I don't really like when I go back to California, it, like, even though in my head it's home, I don't feel like there's something I'm coming back to, like, because my day to day life has been in Brooklyn. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's a really great place to be for me. I had no concrete plan that that's where I was going to go, but it timed out where, um, I was 17 and it was, uh, not really healthy for me to be living with my family at the time. Um, and I had already finished high school and I had, uh, five friends from California, um, that all found a place in bushwick or in east williamsburg to me it's bushwick but to realtors it's east williamsburg um, <laughs> and, uh, and uh i moved in with them and i've lived there since although now i i'm in a weird situation with the virus so i don't know if i'm gonna stay here <laughs> um, but yeah, it's but interesting in, uh go, go ahead. yeah it is but i will stay in i will stay in new york city though i love brooklyn so much okay um, yeah,
1: I just moved out. I was in New York for 30 years, uh, the last 10 in Harlem and came out here and then the virus hit and I'm like, wow, um, I kind of severed ties with a lot of my time in New York anyhow, so I didn't need to be there. And now I'm thinking back on like, wow, I got out just in time. What is your feeling about, you know, you come to New York and you're in a real gritty, authentic New York place, like East williamsburg, Bushwick, whatever. Uh, and now the the virus hits what's 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 been happening there? What's the vibe like?
0: Well, I have spent the last chunk of time helping my dad move because he's getting out of his house. so I haven't really been there a lot um, recently, but i I was there for a little bit, and um, you know, I think that people are really uncertain. I Didn't want to spend a lot of time outside, Um, Mm -hmm. but my building does have roof access, which is nice. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, nice way to get some air or whatever. But, you know, New York City in general, um, I think, has, you know, always perseveres and has been through a lot. And I think now is kind of just a time of of change where people just kind of are adapting to it, but, uh, good on you for getting to California when you did.
1: (laughs) So anyhow, let's get to your music. Uh, Eli, um, what, um, did you have music training as a kid? Did you play an instrument? Uh, What inspired you to kind of get, you know, go with the music route?
0: I started playing guitar when I was five and I had a teacher and I took lessons until I was thirteen. Um, but I began just because I really liked loud music, like I had one of my, some of my earliest memories are like listening to like Nirvana or listening to gorillas or listening to like Arctic monkeys or something. and um or even the Beatles, whatever, like you know, just good stuff. and uh, just being really excited about guitar and music. And then once I, Especially what was so cool is I think pre, um, pre smartphones, especially because I feel like I was at the tail end of that, like I was born in 1999, but like we still had like VHS and, you know, stuff like that. Like our household um, was really conducive to just kind of being creative and not like and not being that um, like this sounds bad, but like not being that social, like I was really happy to just play guitar all day and like not talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand. And, and so uh, you know, then I was like, okay, well, guitar is awesome. How about I try bass? And how about I try drums? And what happens if I want you know, how do you record a song? And what about keys and singing? And then, you know, how about I write a song? And so, you know, after I just got more and more into the world of music and I learned about different styles of music and my listening patterns changed um, and but ever since I started I knew that it was just uh, such a great way to uh, to spend time so uh, you know I have been kind of doing different music uh, throughout my life but I, it's you know the consistent thing is just that having the relationship with that kind of practice, you
1: know, you know musicians particularly those who are are kind of getting their feet wet um they're they're usually appearing live that's how even like you know you go to like the stones or something they say we've got to play live we've got to keep the chops now with the shutdown uh and a lot of the small clubs where people would cram in there and that doesn't look like that's going to change any time in the near future what what paths do you see because i always say that you know cr- Chaos creates opportunities. So what do you see, Eli, in terms of opportunities to get your music out there, understanding that you can't necessarily get in front of people in the knitting factory and other clubs you played at right now?
0: Right. I, yeah, it's a really, really relevant um, question. And ultimately, it's like this. Touring is so valuable, but it's a, it's especially valuable for people like me that have like bands, like rock bands, you know, because a lot of these artists, like EDM artists or pop artists, like won't deal with the same hurdles because they don't rely as much on live shows. Right. Like, I mean, obviously they'll make money doing it, but it's just a different, different uh, platform, I guess, for a different style. And so because of that it's really changed the conversation. I can't speak for other bands, but I know my band, we've been having the conversations of, um, once we decide to start releasing new music, because we had a whole plan for the year, but we put it on pause, A, in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, and B, just in general, like, because we need to catch our breath. Like, we don't really Mm -hmm. know, you know, I mean, there's so much going on, it's hard to just try and like, carry on as if nothing has changed. (laughs) Um, so, you know, as far as, uh, making money as a band, I think doing, uh, looking for like syncs, like getting your music and content, you know, is a really valuable thing if you can do it. Um, I think that selling limited merchandise is really important. And I think that trying to increase your streams, if you can, is also great. Uh, at the same time, in terms of the future of music or shows for, you know, what would be, um my ideal, I think if there was a way i mean I don't know i i I do take the approach that people's lives are more important than shows, and it it sucks I mean, it's like so many people's careers are just like so lost right now because you know until this is fixed, who knows what's gonna happen but I do think that bands just need to find authentic ways to connect with people without playing live, or if they do play live, maybe they play outside and people are distanced in a way that it's safe. Maybe... I've seen some people are playing drive in theaters. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Uh, I think that... um, I mean, if I got all my dreams to come true, I think it'd be fun. Like I saw on uh, Colbert, the Flaming Lips played. And I don't know if you know that band, but the singer. Yeah. So when they played, they had the singer and everyone in the audience and every band member in their own plastic bubble. Now, (laughs) I I think it would be so fun because he performs in a bubble anyway. So that was kind of the joke. I think it'd be so fun if there was a show where everyone... Had a bubble and it was like bumper cars or something. (laughs) But um, as far as um, practicality, I I mean, I don't really see shows happening until this is solved. And for me, it's just, you know, once I start engaging again, um, it'll just be about, you know, connecting with people in a new way. I mean, maybe it's like, hey, you know, comment on this for a chance to get get a personal FaceTime show. You know, I'll Mm -hmm. FaceTime you know, 10 people, and you can, in terms of notoriety or whatever, but I could see bigger bands charging for that kind of thing, or, um, you know, just creating experiences. I mean, I've seen, there was a digital uh, music festival where they created an online portal that had all of this content, um, and you had a, it was like kind of a video game, but it was, you're interfacing with new content from an artist that you like and I so I just think getting creative um you got to think like, out
1: of the box now and you you you're doing that and uh so it's it's going to happen so keep keep thinking that way so the the name of the band is the living strange the lead front person if you will Eli Sokolow is here on guys guys radio he's half mad scientist he's half composer and we're going to play a song why don't we just get right to the music the name of this song is I'm so strange, I saw the video too. It's excellent, so you can ke- check check out the video on YouTube. Tell us a little bit about the song, so we have enough time to play too.:
0: I just wanted to make a song that kind of captured you know this idea of celebrating um your uniqueness, you know, because especially like as a band, I feel like uh, one big goal of ours is to make people feel like you know coming to the show, they can be who they want to be, and you know they're not going to be judged for it. So I think it's a bit like just about kind of um embracing yourself. And, uh, and you know taking pride in, in like, um, being an outsider. Okay, great,
1: let's play it now. The name of the song is I'm So Strange. The name of the band is The Living Strange and my special guest is frontman Eli Sokolo. Let's put it on right now, I'm So Strange. Okay, wow, that is an excellent song. Thank you. Uh, let's talk a little bit more because we're gonna play another song on our outro, New Pet. So um, what are some of your influences, Eli, for, for the band? Uh, it seems like you're kind of all over the place in a good way. You take from Muse, Radiohead, Death Grips, Little Peep, and more and more. I hear a lot of different bands in, inside the, that song and then and the next song also. What, what do you consider as your main influence and are you always taking in new influences?
0: Um, yeah, we're absolutely always taking in new influences. I love listening to so much different music. I think as a band, we are definitely like an alternative rock band. And so, you know, bands like Radiohead or Smashing Pumpkins, or, you know, um, I guess, uh, Muse, even early Muse, I guess, um, definitely, I think, strike a lot of similarities. Um, But we also enjoy a lot of other things. I mean, I lately have been listening to a lot of pop music like Charlie XEX. Um, and our drummer Benya really likes like Aphex twin and like electronic music kind of in that vein. Um, and then Nico, you know, will listen to, um, more ambient stuff like Sigur Os or even like dubstep like Skrillex or whatever. Like for us, we kind of, I think a lot of musicians, um, especially younger ones uh, are really into, you know, the weirder stuff or the more eccentric stuff. And we, uh, we kind of don't have any guilty pleasures. Like we'll listen to like, I don't know, some really cringe pop song or whatever. And then we'll go right to like something that's, you know, super underground. And uh, I think that it all kind of comes through. Like whenever we make a song, I think the goal is just to make something that only we could have made. You know, mm-hmm. there's no way you listen to it and say that sounds like a different group of individuals than these three people.
1: Well, it's a good goal and you've accomplished it because I, you know, although I hear some influences in your work, it's definitely strictly The Living Strange. So congrats on that, because that's one of the hardest things for an artist to do to really set your tone and who who you are. When you guys, last question for you, Eli, when you guys are are working together and you're going to write a song, do you bring the song to the band? Does somebody come in and say, hey, I've got this? The three of you look at each other, sit in a circle and start playing. Well, what's your process?
0: So it's actually changed. Up until this year, the process has usually been that I'll write the song and sometimes even record the song and then just bring it to the band. But I uh, kind of wanted our dynamic to change. And so it's become far more collaborative with the three of us. And now it's kind of like we will, you know, play together or we'll make a lot of beats. Like we'll just sit at the laptop and program stuff and just kind of. Treat it like a game, like not think I'm making a song. Just, you know, what would be crazy? What if we had a beat that was like this? Or, you know, uh, what if, you know, maybe I have a riff, but I don't have the idea for the drums or whatever. And so we make a lot of beats and then we decide on a theme for the song because I lately have been really enjoyed uh, enjoying writing a bit more theme specific um like i used to be more into kind of cryptic lyrics that were maybe a bit more philosophical or a bit more like hard to um immediately understand but then i realized kind of the power of writing is like you could really get something across if you wanted to so i feel like nowadays i like thinking about you know what's going on um okay and um, yeah so it's collaborative you know good uh,
1: well, listen, when uh, you're in New York City, and as you've probably experienced, uh, you just walk the streets of New York, and particularly Brooklyn, and you'll hear sounds from all over the world. I remember running the marathon the first time, running through the streets of Brooklyn. Every two blocks, there was a different band with a different beat. And it's just an incredible, as New York is as a whole, it's such a diverse mashup of different sounds and cultures and people. So you're in a perfect place to do the type of work you're doing right now. And congratulations. You sing well. The production is excellent and the songs are good. Eli of The Living Strange. We're going to play New Pet on the way out, but why don't you tell us a little bit about this song and where people can find out more about you and your band.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, New Pet is a song on our record Gunk um, that I wrote over time. It actually was inspired by an assignment um, because I was learning about music production from a musician who asked me to create a piece of music using only one synthesizer, like the same synthesizer for every track and so i wrote the song and then after i finished it i was like this is pretty cool i want to bring it to the band and use you know other sounds on it and so that's kind of how it came to be and the song is kind of a surreal song about you know overcoming trauma and um you know like uh it's kind of about dreaming and 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 uh feeling i don't know like really moved i guess uh by uh how sometimes reality can feel mm-hmm. like a dream Got good it. and good and bad. And uh, okay. you can find our music on all of the major streaming services like Spotify and Apple music and title. Um, and you can purchase directly from us at the livingstrange.bandcamp.com. Awesome.
1: Okay. Well, listen, Eli, you, I congratulate you on the excellent work. Uh, your work as an artist, um, just you're very um, you're very grounded, even though you're out there and your art. You're you're grounded. You know what's going on. So I predict big things for Eli Sokolo and the band The Living Strange. Thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio. We're gonna put you out there to everybody with the song New Pet, The Living Strange. Yeah. Guys, Guy Radio. Two very different but very interesting guests on Guys, Guys Radio today. I hope you've enjoyed listening to them. Bonnie Myers, uh, proprietor of Silver Oak Winery for many years, makers of amazing Cabernets from Napa Valley. What did we learn from Bonnie? I think we learned that uh, winemaking is an art. It's a passion. It's also a business. And in any business, you've got to have the right uh, team. And you have to, in particular for wines, It's about uh, sourcing your product from the right uh, either suppliers or area. In this case, for wines, it's all about, just like in real estate, location, 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 baby. Our other guest, Eli Sokolow, the Living Strange is the name of his band, California Kid, out there in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. (laughs) It must be a real trip for him there because they're very different. I've gone in the opposite direction. I went from Harlem to... San Diego, so I understand the journey cross country and the cultural differences. Anyhow, he's doing great music. What did we learn? I think we learned as listeners and as your host here that we've got to keep an open mind to new music. I, I mean, I grew up with classic rock, with the Stones and the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and The Who and Pink Floyd and everybody else, and I love it. And the classic rock to me is just incredible. However, you know, over time, you've got to listen to some new things, whether it be jazz, classical, or hip-hop or whatever, you got to open up because there's a lot of good beats out there, there's a lot of good sound, there's a lot of uh, messages and music that's reflective of what the young people creating the music are are all are going through and are, are all about. So if you really want to understand our culture and why people think certain things and you're like, what, what, I don't get it, listen to some of the music and you'll get a better idea. So anyhow, Guys, Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific time In Southern California on KCAA, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 1050 AM. Again, 8 p.m. Pacific time. The show rebroadcasts on KCAA every Sunday at 6 p.m. The podcast drops every Thursday worldwide. You can consume our show wherever you consume your podcast, whether it be iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, Deezer, CastBox, Podchaser, we tune in radio, uh, blog talk radio, and also my new YouTube channel uh, under Robert Manny, but we call it Guys, Guys TV, where we have a uh, selection of our shows that you can uh, consume just as you consume anything else on YouTube. So I hope you enjoy it and check it out because it's new. Also, my website, com. We've got all types of uh, blogs there about everything about life, love, the pursuit of happiness, over 350 blog posts, lots of videos. We've also got an offer there where you can download three free chapters to my novel, the Guys Guy's Guide to love, which is really the source material for everything guys guys about a couple of guys in advertising competing for love sex power and money it's been called the male successor to sex in the city it's a it's a romp but it's a story it's about something it's about friendship and redemption and relationships and it's got flawed men and strong women characters and I hope you'll enjoy that too and check it out so. We're going to be back again next week on Guys, Guys Radio. We've got another set of guests right through the summer and beyond. I hope you stay safe. I hope you do the right thing to respect yourself, your health, and others. And as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first.